0: You're tuning in to Rusty Thomas, where once a week he brings the brilliance of Scripture to every dynamic of life. For the last 40 years, Rusty has served the Lord as a father, minister, and political figure on the streets, churches, and capitals in our nation and abroad. You are going to hear compelling truths that will prayerfully build up your faith and equip you to meet the challenges of life with the confidence of God's Word. This is Kingdom Moments with my father, Rusty Thomas. Well, welcome brothers and sisters uh, to Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas and another podcast episode. Well, we have uh, been sort of on a roll. We've been uh, on a certain topic, uh, almost like a series of episodes and We're covering the controversial topic of the sin and crime of sodomy. We've been exposing the homosexual agenda, what the Bible actually teaches about homosexuality. And we've shared a couple of powerful testimonies, uh, one with uh, Brother Juan Riesco, how God delivered him out of the darkness of that death style and brought him into the marvelous light of God's kingdom and you know how he's married now has kids and serving the Lord full-time in ministry just a glorious testimony of God's saving grace and and then we've uh, shared the powerful testimony uh, called can you touch me and how the Lord uh, put us in contact with the leader of Act Up in Queer Nation in Houston, Texas. His name was Randy Fields, and how the Lord just intervened, uh, gloriously saved him three days before he died of AIDS. And I, I pray that these teachings, these testimonies, are edifying to you, and uh, and that you'll use them uh, to minister to others. So. I debated whether or not to do a podcast on this aspect of the homosexual agenda, but I really do believe it's critically important that the church understand how the enemy is making his way uh, into the church to corrupt and distort the scriptures to justify this abomination. You know, throughout redemptive history, we have to understand many times, you know, dictators, tyrants, movements, you know, uh, that were evil, that were, you know, demonic, tyrannical. They looked to the church, uh, to sanitize their evil. And we must not put our reputations or our money or whatever it is, uh, where we could you know sort of be bribed um, into sort of going along to get along you know with the spirit of the age and evil and abominations that offend God's holiness and bring great devastation upon humanity who who practices uh, these evils or or subject to tyranny and oppression so, I really thought it was important that um, we deal with what this episode is called Homosexual Heresies. And I want to start with this passage of Scripture. It's found in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. The Apostle Paul writes, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not Carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So, a while back, when Brother Flip Benham and I, he was the National Director of Operation Rescue, Operation Save America, and I was his assistant, we found out that a heretical church, an apostate church uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, was going to have a meeting about what the Bible really says about homosexuality. And so we decided perhaps we should attend that. And um, let's just say it was incredibly illuminating uh, what this apostate so-called homosexual church was doing to the scriptures, how they twisted it to justify this abomination before God. And so we went there, and um, we sat in the congregation, we listened, we participated uh, in the meeting, And this so-called pastor, who was really just a wolf in sheep's clothing, you know, gave his biblical defense for the abomination of sodomy. And they advocated, you know, homosexuality. No, it's not a sin. Don't worry about it. Um, You know, it's not a sickness. It's not a disease. No, it's a lifestyle. And it's... And, you know, people should fully embrace a homosexuality and even celebrate it as children of God. And so this was their message and, you know, they had their MCC mission statement and it articulated their three C's calling, confronting and creating their statement declared calling people to new life through the liberating gospel of Jesus Christ. So far, so good. Well, now they're also confronting. And what are they confronting? Well, the injustice of poverty, sexism, racism, and homophobia through Christian social action, right? The social justice warriors. But there's a huge difference difference between social justice and biblical justice. And they're also creating. And what are they creating? Well, it's a community of healing and reconciliation through faith, hope, and love. Well, enough Christian terminology to ensnare unsuspecting souls and enough lies to damn all that adhere to their vision statement from hell. Well, They went on and they confronted the current Christian attitude that condemns sodomy. And their take on it, it doesn't come from the clear teaching of Scripture. No, this is just centuries of tradition. You know, basically the doctrines of men and maybe to an extreme point, the doctrine of demons. And so they pretty much came out strongly against the orthodox christian church and they maligned us by saying oh you know the christian church wants to enslave women you know by abusive men and we discriminate against people of color we're racist and then of course we are so wrong so ungodly as to condemn the sin and crime of sodomy But there's good news at the MCC church because they're going to right these wrongs and, you know, they're going to bring justice against this injustice and they're going to end the discrimination, all its ugly forms, you know, because gay men and lesbians need to be accepted and their lifestyle affirmed by the Christian church. Isn't that right? Well, no, it's a thousand times wrong. A couple of these issues are not even, you know, they're really non-issues. The true church doesn't want to subject women to slavery, and we certainly are not racists. Um, There's one human race, and uh, yeah, there's different pigmentation in our skin, but all are made in the image of God, and all need the gospel. Of Jesus Christ. So, anyway, they just wanted to paint the true Christian church as this, you know, bigoted, homophobic, racist institution. And, you know, and they've learned so much more, you know, since then. So they have new information that refutes old ideas. And so they've come up with a better way to interpret the scriptures. And they have new grids that can, you know, help homosexuals find justification to excuse their perverted behavior. And here's the three major new ideas. Well, it's scientific information, it's social change, and personal experience. These are now the new authoritative filters that can determine the true meaning of scripture notice these new ideas and new grids none of them actually look to the scripture themselves and so the homosexuals they've they've really they've stumbled upon a trend that's actually been taking place for a number of years which is personal experience, cultural changes, and science now should determine the meaning of scriptures. And by the way, the Evangelical Church has been guilty of this for many, many years. So many things that the Apostle Paul taught about when it comes to the role and function of men and women. They were going, oh, you know, that was just in Paul's day. That was the culture back then. And so they're actually saying, because we... We've progressed so much since then. Um, We can reject the teaching of the Apostle Paul because that was just cultural, not biblical. And little do we know how much the evangelical church has paved the way for the homosexuals and and other abominable, deviant sexual practices to do the same thing, the scripture that we have done. Just put it off as something cultural, not biblical, not authoritative. So you know, here we are again. The Bible has to submit uh, to accommodate you know, personal experience, science, and cultural norms. So uh, it was at this point, actually, that we uh, kind of confronted the wolf in sheep's clothing and When we pressed him on it, he admitted that his opinion did trump the authority of Scripture, amazingly. And I got to tell you, brothers and sisters, when a person stands up and says he is judge over God and the Holy Scripture, that person is in serious, serious danger, so... Basically, according to pro-gay theology, they're now the potter, and the god of scripture is the clay. Well, there was a brother named Hilary of Portiers. He lived from 300 to 367 AD, and he gave this insightful quote that pinpoints the deceptive nature of these homosexual heresies. He said, Such is their error, such their pestilent teaching. To support it, they borrow the words of Scripture, perverting its meaning and using the ignorance of men as their opportunity of gaining credence for their lies. Well, I got to tell you, at this meeting, there was a lot of borrowing of Scripture. And there was a lot of willful ignorance uh, in abundant supply at that fateful meeting in Charlotte. But here's the thing, brothers and sisters, the mere use of Scripture does not guarantee the right use of Scripture. And so they, they just went on to totally twist the Scriptures in order to call good evil and evil good. And so, amazingly, the sodomite pastor, he went into isogesis and exegesis before he actually isogeted the Scriptures. So, instead of drawing out, you know, the true meaning that comes from the Bible through a proper hermeneutic, he went full-blown in isogeting the Scripture. In other words, where men look into Scripture to justify their pre- Condition beliefs and uh, and so after he's exposing these two things, he goes full blown into isogeting the scripture and uh, his um, his one of his first things he did and it was amazing because um, I was the first one he actually called upon and asked me a question and it was a hypothetical situation so. He, he asks me, um, if I had to choose between the law, the prophets of the Old Testament, the words of Jesus in the Gospels, or the apostolic epistles, which one would I choose to be the ultimate authority of Scripture? Uh, I guess he was kind of hoping I was one of those red-letter Christians. Um, now, I do get you know when the old testament comes to the new testament Jesus said hey you heard it said of old and he's quoting the old testament but now i say to you um and he was presenting himself as the authority over both old and new testaments i get that but what he was trying to do was to bait me in 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 confessing that Jesus Christ never said anything about Homosexuality, and since he is Lord, that is authoritative. And uh, of course, my response was that's an invalid choice. For all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And you'll find that passage in Second Timothy three sixteen. Well. Here's the thing, um, to sort of justify what he was saying, because when you look at the Gospels, there was a lot of abominations and transgressions that Jesus never directly um, revealed uh, in his teachings. So according to their convoluted logic— all these abominations are and transgressions should be freely enjoyed under the blessing of the New Testament. But a couple of things along this line, brothers and sisters, when it comes to Jesus, uh, basically they're arguing from silence. If homosexuality, was now blessed under the new testament you cannot argue from silence no jesus would have to do the same thing he actually said you heard it said but now i'm telling you in other words he would have to say you heard it said that homosexuality and sodomy was an abomination punishable by death but now i say to you that has been changed Now, under my blessing, you can celebrate homosexuality and a man can be married to a man and a woman can be married to a woman. Well, of course, Jesus did not do that. He would also have to silence and curb the language in the epistles by the apostle Paul. In other words, if Jesus was for homosexuality, his Holy Spirit is not going to inspire Paul to condemn it. And so we we pointed those things out uh, at this meeting. Of course, they didn't receive that anon with joy. And so, you know, they just kind of went on trying to make straight what God had called crooked. And so we uh, we did also kind of share that Jesus indirectly um, spoke to this situation. We, we quoted, you know, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Notice, he affirms one man, one woman becoming one flesh in holy matrimony. It is not viable spiritually or even physically for another man to be joined to another man or a woman to cleave to another woman and they become one flesh. It simply does not work. It's sort of like the proverbial square peg in a round hole syndrome, which when forced causes great damage. And what this agenda has done to the scriptures to the church, to family, to marriage, so much damage and evil, bitter fruit has been produced. Well, onward the meeting went, and so Scripture, after Scripture, was brought up, and they twisted every single one of them. They brought up the account of Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19:1 through 25, Leviticus eighteen twenty two, Leviticus twenty thirteen, Romans one twenty four through twenty seven, first Corinthians six nine, and first Timothy one ten. And I would encourage every Christian to know these scriptures by heart. They are the passages under assault by the same one who whispered long ago, hath God said? See, according to Sodomite theology, the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah that invoked God's judgment upon them was not homosexuality. You know what the cause was? Sodom and Gomorrah broke the law of hospitality. That's right. The reason why God reduced those cities to ashes was the gross violation of not receiving the angels according to the ancient rules of hospitality. This is what this so-called pastor was teaching his congregation. Well, two immediate errors emerge. First, Lot was a representative of Sodom, and he welcomed the angels, and guess what? He showed them hospitality. So where is the violation? He fulfilled it. The second contradiction centers on the word yada, which is translated as know. The men, both young and old, desire to know the angelic visitors. Well, they interpret the no as simply, they just wanted a thorough knowledge of us, you know, a knowledge of them. In other words, they just wanted to check out the angels' credentials, Now, they do admit it can also mean sexual intercourse, but only on the rarest occasion. And it need not apply when it comes to Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, We've read some of their stuff where they actually said um, it was not the sin of homosexuality that brought God's judgment. Uh, It was gang rape. And we see the same Uh, mentality today, like when it comes to, you know, Catholic clergy, you know, and the abuse of boys, you know, they they never say the offense is homosexuality. They say it's pedophilia. Uh, It's amazing how we do that, how we avoid the specific sins that produces these kind of abominable acts. Well, here it is they're saying you know that they just wanted to familiarize themselves with the visitors but then we got to ask the question if that's their true meaning why did lot offer his daughters to them um they certainly knew lot and his family and they did know their daughters in that sense so you know they had lived amongst them for years well they go on from there and to justify the breaking of the law of hospitality the sodomite pastor quoted ezekiel sixteen forty nine fifty, 50. and god's word states behold this was the iniquity of thy sister sodom pay attention because this is important pride fullness of bread An abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy, and they were haughty. And here's the deal. And committed abomination before me. Now again, they're going to claim that abomination was breaking the rules of hospitality. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. Now I will tell you the sodomite pastor did exegete some of this scripture correctly he pointed out you know you know this was some of the the environment you know that was taking place uh, in sodom and gomorrah and you know america is pretty much like that today you know we we are a materialistic people uh, we tend to be proud, and we fail um, pretty much to care for those who are less fortunate. And and the MCC Sodomite pastor he 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 also said that Sodom was plagued with idolatry. But what they're failing to recognize is this pathetic condition, this this uh, you know pride, fullness of bread abundance of idleness, this is actually the seedbed and the atmosphere that is conducive to grow the weeds of lustful, sinful behavior, such as homosexuality. Um, All you got to do is look to Jude chapter 7. It kind of gives us a clue. This is what God's Word states. As Sodom and Gomorrah And the cities around them, in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So we know, according to Jude, it's not breaking the laws of hospitality. It was... Sexual immorality and going after strange flesh. Well, it's interesting, their interpretation uh, about the strange flesh illustration, um, they're they're saying that it's not men going after other men that is the strange flesh. Uh, It was... Only strange flesh, because they went after and desired the angels. And again, they just go to great lengths to deny the self-evident truth. And so, you know, really there is a a warning here, brothers and sisters, even as we, you know, go through this. Because when we look at the United States of America, we are very, very similar to Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, we are materialistic, you know, greed's become a virtue. Um, we've we got to, you know, take into account we've, we've turned our back on the Lord and we have assimilated the idols and false religions of pagan lands. So is it strange that we see the proliferation of sexual immorality? You know, sodomy and transgenderism coming as a result interesting enough uh, the Greek philosopher Aristotle uh, he made this comment in the art of rhetoric he stated rather it is the property of the poor to have an appetite an appetite for money because of their lack of it so he's equating the poor with the sin of covetousness and he says of the wealthy because of their riches to have an appetite for unnecessary pleasures. So, even a Greek philosopher makes the connection between materialistic wealth divorced from God's purposes, producing a people that will pursue unnecessary and, I would add, sinful, lustful pleasures. In this, the old adage is fulfilled idle hands and an idle mind are the devil's workshop. Well, the next scripture up is Leviticus 18.22. And this one was a doozy. The text clearly reads, You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an Obama nation. Well, he offered some nonsensical spin and related this clear condemnation of homosexuality to Israel's dietary laws. When we read further materials, they bypassed the plain prohibition by regulating it to the Holiness Code of Leviticus in their minds, and that's the only place where it can be found. This was only assigned to the priesthood in Israel's ritual manual. The prohibition is not against homosexual sex itself, according to MCC, but a prohibition against the male cult prostitution. In other words, God blesses homosexual sex in his church, but God help you if you have homosexual sex under the banner of idolatry and false religion. And he literally, this this son of my pastor, acted this out. He brought in a chalkboard uh, to illustrate this novel interpretation. So when he was in front of the chalkboard in church, homosexuality is not an abomination. When, When he went behind the chalkboard illustrating having sex with a male religious prostitute, then that practice is an abomination before God. Well, at this point, Brother Flip kind of rebuked the pastor (laughs) for his isogeting the scripture, and he reminded them that there was nothing in the text that even hinted that this declaration was regulated solely for the priesthood in Israel. Neither had it anything to do with dietary or ceremonial law. Well, the next text that was addressed to the, oh, excuse me. The, he, he went on to say that the entire text was addressed to the children of Israel to teach them what God considered depraved sexual activity. Well, at that point, the congregation became, let's just say, a little bit agitated and one desperate homosexual man attempted to give his illuminate opinion on the passage. He explained, "Listen, that the prohibition against homosexual sex at that point in Israel's history had to do with the fact—excuse me—that Israel was a fledgling nation." He said, "God knew he needed Israel to only be." homo excuse me heterosexual at this critical juncture so they can procreate to build up the nation now once the nation had gained enough population god magically changed his mind and now homosexuality is permissible and with that i believe no comment is necessary so we go on to another passage molested by MCC, and it's Romans 1, 24 through 27. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into lie, and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust, one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meet. Now, this pastor did recognize that the Apostle Paul had negative statements in the epistles regarding same-sex acts. The negative statements must be be understood, however, in their broader perspective. So, his question was, when he quoted this, does this passage refer to all homosexual acts, or is it just certain homosexual acts reminiscent of the male prostitute idolatry of the Old Testament? And I'm sure you know where... MCC came down on this issue. One of the keys to them in this passage centers on the word natural. When the apostle mentions women who change the natural use or men leaving the natural use, uh, this is how they interpret it. That if if it's an action, That contradicts one's own nature. So for instance, if a heterosexual performed homosexual acts, that would be against his nature and therefore sinful. The same holds true if a homosexual would attempt to live a heterosexual lifestyle, that would be against his nature and therefore sinful as well it is probably this scripture more than any other i think that drives the homosexual agenda to turn to junk science and psychobabble they're always looking to find the missing link the homosexual gene anything that proves that it's god's fault for making them this way they desperately seek some corroboration that they are not responsible for their behavior and destructive choices. So somewhere over their rainbow, there has to be some evidence, some documentation that mercifully establishes the idea that homosexuality is an inherent trait, like being black-skinned or left-handed. But the only thing... That homosexuality or in homosexuality that is inherent is the sinful nature every human being has received due to the fall of mankind and the subsequent advent of original sin. Homosexuality is merely one of the many actual sins that flow from the polluted well of original sin. Why do dogs bark? Because they're dogs. Why do people sin? Because we're sinners. Homosexuality is simply one of the many sinful expression man chooses that reveals our depraved nature, alienation from God, and our need to embrace God's great salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. What we must understand, brothers and sisters, it would be unjust on the behalf of God to create people one way and then condemn them for acting out what he has made them to be, you know, to be. Besides that, we know of tens of thousands of former homosexuals that have already been delivered out of the bondage of the gay lifestyle, and through the saving grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, they have been set free. Here's the good news. Homosexuals can change and become attracted to the opposite sex, get married, and have children. I personally know some who have been transformed by God's redeeming power. Well, the last scripture that they distorted to further their destructive heresies is 1 Corinthians 6. 9 through 11, which declares, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, no, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Well, how do they dance around this? A blatant text that declares homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, one way is to teach the social context of Paul's ministry in the Greco-Roman cultural culture. According to MCC, Paul wasn't addressing healthy, monogamous, loving homosexuals, but those male prostitute scoundrels again. They keep popping up. They, along with wicked pedophiles who prey upon young boys, they are the ones that are going to be banned from heaven. It's interesting to note we're seeing this more and more uh, in the homosexual community. Um, they are coming out more and more and judging the sort of drag queen grooming of young children. In other words, they're condemning the practice of homosexuality. And so, <laughs> They're judging their own community, but God help you if you judge them. That is not permissible. So here's here's the thing, brothers and sisters, um, I want to conclude this episode on exposing homosexual heresies with the quote from the Corinthian, passage, it does say, and such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Now, MCC would take that scripture and say it's a lie, and their personal experience is the truth. They will tell you deliverance is not possible. They want you to bring a peace offering to your sin, to your transgression, and to your abomination. And if you do that, you forfeit the great salvation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible does tell us Jesus is a friend of sinners. And you got to remember, that was an accusation. That was not a compliment. But here's the thing, MCC would have you believe homosexuality is not a sin and not an abomination. Well, if that's true, how can Jesus be your friend? Jesus said, I'm the sweet doctor. I have come for the sick and not the healthy. You know, I have come to call sinners to repentance. And so this whole notion that homosexuality and christianity are compatible you must understand that is a lie they are mutually exclusive one cannot be a practicing homosexual and be in right standing with almighty god that is a deception that is a lie and it will cost your soul in hell if you believe and practice it so Here's the thing I want to conclude with, brothers and sisters. The scripture says this, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And that's what MCC is doing. Their kiss is deceitful. It is enabling people to embrace their sin To celebrate their abominations and teach them that they are right standing with God. And that when they die, they are going to heaven. When the Bible speaks the exact opposite, faithful are the wounds of a friend. We as Christians are called to speak the truth in love and as i shared you know with randy fields and the other homosexual activists when we call homosexuals to repent and acknowledge the truth this is not hate calling you this is the true love of god calling you and here's the thing you will never find the love of the father in the arms of another man if you're a man or in the arms of another woman if you are a lesbian. So please understand this. Scripture promises this. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. My friend, if you are a homosexual, captured by this lust, and you know it's destroying you, you know in your mind, in your motions, in your spirit, that this thing is destroying you, then I want to encourage you. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Confess with your mouth this sin before God. Repent of it. Call upon the name of the Lord. The scripture says, whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The scripture says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, he will save you. And the scripture says, if any man is in Christ, the old things the old sinful nature, name your poison, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, thievery, drunkenness, all the things that, that those who practice will not go to heaven, all those things will pass away. And behold, everything will be made brand new. And so I pray, open your heart. Don't be afraid. Come before God. Come into agreement with him about the sin of homosexuality. Cry out for his deliverance and receive the abundant pardon that comes from God's amazing grace. And I promise you this, you will never, ever regret it. And so this comes to the conclusion of another episode with Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas um, I pray this episode is a blessing to the church uh, as we expose the evil one, how he's trying to infiltrate the church and distort the scriptures uh, to justify this abomination. And so I pray this is helpful, that it helps to disciple and mentor and encourages the saints um, to not only um, sort of use the scriptures or meditate upon the scriptures but make sure we are using the scriptures correctly so critically critically important so till next time brothers and sisters you keep pressing on to that high calling prize in jesus name god bless you